going to hear them in a moment. I want you to take your Bibles this morning. Go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. I love Chancellor. I love the team here. I was telling Dr. Cook, I think Dr. Cook is one of the prettiest, smartest ladies I've been around in a long time. She is the bomb.com. How many believe that? And so I'm glad that, that, uh, that we have a great team here. We're going to take the world. You're going to take the world. You're going to take the world. You are that generation. 2014 on the Hebraic calendar is the year 5774. In Hebrew, all of your letters or your numbers have word pictures and letters attached to them and vice versa. So in Hebrew, the dec- it is the decade of the 70s. Have you all ever wondered why the bell bottoms and all of the rolling of the cuffs and all of the, the retro stuff is in was because you're in the Hebraic 70s. <laughs> so anyway, it's the decade of the 70s. Y'all thought it was trendy, but you're just, uh, you're just going backwards. Anyway, so, uh, so anyway, uh, 5774 has unique meaning. The word seven is the Hebraic letter uh, which means to see, to see. And uh, it's ayin, it means to see, to perceive, the ability to see. The number four is, in Hebrew, is the, the letter or word for door, which is dalet. So it's ayin dalet. It's the year of seeing open doors. It also has a word picture to it. The word picture, uh, all of these, in, in Hebrew, it paints word pictures. It's hard for me to, you, you'll learn it in your Hebrew classes. But anyway, the word picture, just for time's sake, is a rich man chasing a poor man down to blessing. So this is the year that you're going to see open doors and riches are going to chase you down to bless you. Okay, I'm going to try that on this side of the room because I thought there'd be a lot more... Anybody want to see some open doors and some blessings? Okay. Uh, just making sure. The other thing I want to tell you is that 2014 is going to be probably the most substantial prophetic year since 1948, which is the rebirth of the nation of Israel. Let me tell you why I said that. Because the last time there was a uh, lunar eclipse on a feast day, it fell on 1948 when the nation of Israel was born. The second time was in 67 when Jerusalem became the capital. Since then, there's not been a lunar eclipse on a feast day. By the way, in the year 2014-15, which in the Hebraic calendar is actually 5774, all crammed into one, there are four lunar eclipses all of them happening on the major feast days. You're going to have one on Passover. You're going to have one on Tabernacles. Then the next year, one on Passover, one on Tabernacles. Also, there are going to be three solar eclipses mixed in on feast days, on the other feast days, within those four lunar eclipses. Jesus said, when the sun is darkened, And the moon is turned to blood. The only time the moon turns to blood is whenever a lunar eclipse. And the only time the sun is darkened is when there's a solar eclipse. And we're going to have three solar eclipses and four lunar eclipses. And they're going to fall on the major prophetic feast days. Which means you are a prophetic generation. So this is going to be a prophetic year. Everybody say, this is my prophetic year of open doors and supernatural blessing. How many receive that? All right. So since this is a prophetic year and since this is a, going to be a substantial year, what God wants to do in you is going to take faith. 
So for the next few minutes, I'm not going to preach like I normally do. Normally I lay out all of this prophetic stuff and I get real deep. But last week the Lord started dealing with me about you and specifically what I'm supposed to share with you. So today you're going to see Pastor Shane. And I want to talk to you from a pastor's perspective. I want to talk to you from a visionary leader's perspective. I want to talk to you from a perspective of a guy that feels like God has called him to help raise up a generation of world shakers. That's what I want to talk. And I want to talk to you like you are those world shakers. I want to talk to you like you're the one that God's going to use to fill this stadium over here with a crusade and hundreds of thousands of people come to Christ. I want to talk to you like you're the ones for that. If you're going to do what God has called you to do, it's going to take faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith, now faith is, now faith is, faith is now, is now faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Verse 6, for without faith it is impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Faith is possibly one of the most misunderstood, most miscommunicated topics in all of the Bible. We almost perceive faith as some kind of ethereal cloud that we kind of will mysteriously walk into and we'll step into this realm where supernatural things just start happening in our life. Money starts falling out of the sky. People start growing limbs. And this is how we perceive faith. We, we, we say that we can confess things into being, and I believe that's true, but we really don't know the intricacies of faith. And I think part of the problem in the body of Christ is that preachers have taught so much about faith from different perspectives that we've really con- done more confusing than we have uh, giving pure revelation and insight into what faith is. So what I would like you to do today is I'd like you to write four things down about faith. And you can just, in your notes, I want you to write faith is, and then I want you just to go number one, two, three, four, and leave number five open, because I'm actually going to give you five things, but I want to deal with the first four quickly. Number one, faith is asking. Faith is asking. Number two, faith is believing. Number three, faith is doubting. And number four, faith is acting. When you go to the book of James, the book of James, James clarifies that faith without works is dead, being alone. If you read James chapter 1 and you look at faith, you'll find out that he enumerates a couple things. Number one, he says that faith is more than just seeing Faith is more than just saying. Faith is more than just believing. Faith is more than just hearing. And faith is more than just feeling. It's all in that chapter there, just within a few verses. So faith is more than all of that. And then he sums up faith by this. He says, faith is faith only if it works. Because faith without works is dead being alone. 
And faith is one of those subjects that we're so confused by. Faith is not this mystery that we step into where things just happen. What is the difference between great faith and little faith? The Bible seems to tell us that there's a lot of different levels of faith. In one place he says, oh, you have little faith. Then he says, oh, you of great faith. Then he goes and tells you to grow your faith. He tells you to increase in faith. So we know that we can grow in our faith. We know that according to Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And so we, we take in the word and the word grows faith. But how do we really use faith? How do we really use it? The problem is, is that everything in the Christian life revolves around faith. You are justified by faith. You walk by faith and not by sight. And so if you don't really have the basic down of faith in Jesus Christ and faith in the atoning work and faith in what God says in the Word about you and for you, then you can't step into what God's called you to do. You could have the greatest call, the greatest dream, the greatest talent in the world and never walk into it. The the richest place in Oakland is the cemetery. Because there lay all the dreams, the desires, the inventions, the new discoveries, the new businesses, the new ministries that should have happened but never happened, though somebody believed that they would happen. Believing is not enough. So faith is not just believing and faith is not just saying. And just because you have goosebumps on your ghost bumps doesn't mean that you got faith. And just because you think something doesn't mean that you have faith. Faith is more than all of that. And James says faith without works is dead. So let me see if I can enumerate the stages of faith. Because everything God's called me to do, I seem to go through these crazy stages with faith. Right now, we're getting ready to do a $6 million expansion at our church. A $6 million expansion. Ask me how much money I got for it. Zero. So it takes incredible faith to do something like that. What's the difference between a guy that can preach the paint off the wall but never gets above 20 people and the guy who preaches the paint off the wall and has 10,000 people? Don't they have the same kind of faith? And so those are some questions I'd like to ask for, or answer for you today. And I want to teach you the things that I've learned from a pastoral perspective in 25 years of doing ministry of how to get your faith to work. I want to teach you how to receive from God. And it's simple like all great truths of the Bible are. It really is simple. Number one, faith is asking. The Bible says those who come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Faith is asking. You see, you don't need faith when you can see something. When the senses are employed, you can touch, taste, hear it, feel it, uh, see it. You don't need faith. But faith comes into play when you can't see something. It's almost like you have a dream or desire or a sense in your spirit. You can see it in your mind's eye, in your imaginations. You dream about it at night. It's a feeling. It's a knowing that God has put in your heart. That is the beginning of faith. That's when faith starts. But faith is not just necessarily... You, you don't need faith when you can touch it with the natural. Faith comes into play when God asks you to do something bigger than you have the capacity to do it. Well, imagine that in Ephesians 3.20. God said, I want to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever ask or think. God is a beyond kind of God. Which means He wants you to go beyond your ability. He wants you to go beyond your resources. He wants you to go beyond yourself. He wants you to go beyond your talent. He 
wants you to go beyond your limitations because He's a beyond kind of God. And you can't do that without faith. And so when God, what God does is God drops faith in your heart. And He's already done that because you're in Bible college. And everybody else thinks you're crazy because you're going to Bible college to, to, to pursue preaching the gospel and you have no promise of a job and you have no promise of a future. All you know is that God puts something in your heart. You don't even know why you're here. You're crazy for being here. You're laying in bed at night talking, I'm crazy for coming up in this place. But something won't let you see. And your family thinks you're nuts. Do you know why they think you're nuts? Because they can't see what you have spiritual eyes to see. They can't feel what you have a spiritual feeling inside of you. They can't know what you know on the inside. Faith is unique to the individual. That's what makes faith so powerful. It's unique to you. It's something only you can have for a given thing, a given assignment. The key about faith is the Bible says, Now faith is... Faith is present tense. Faith is right now. How you know you got it is it's now. It always happens now. You always know you're in a faith mode when you want it now. You want to see the results now. The Bible says now faith is. Two present tense words on each side of the word faith. Now is faith. Faith is in the middle. It's present tense before and it's present tense after. It's faith is now present tense. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. You can't tell somebody who has faith. I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit on. You can't tell somebody who has faith that they can't do something. And they can't have something. Because faith, even though they can't see it, feel it, touch it, taste it, hear it, even though everybody else can't lay hold on it, faith becomes the substance of the thing that they're hoping is going to come to pass. In other words, you know a person really has faith when they feel God has put something in their spirit and they act like they already got it. They start talking like they already got it. Come on, you know you're doing this. You're walking around. One of these days I'm going to be preaching to millions of people and you ain't ever preached your first sermon yet. And then somebody comes along to try to talk you out of what God has placed in your heart and it makes you mad. Something, that's how you know faith. Because faith becomes the substance. God likes that crazy kind of wild-eyed stuff with people. I'm talking about crazy-eyed faith. You know, where you, God tells you to do something like Abraham. He says, go to a land. And, he, and Abraham says, what land? He said, I don't know. I'll tell you when you get there. And Abraham just pack up everything. And Can you imagine Abraham doing that? You imagine Abraham coming into his wife and saying, "Hey, babe, uh, we're gonna move." And Sarah saying, "Well, praise the Lord. You know, I sold some seed last year for that house across town, and we're gonna move on up. We like the Jeffersons. We're gonna move on up." And Abraham says, "No, uh, we're not moving to the house across town. Well, where are we moving to? I don't know." And like every woman in here will do to your future husband. She said, have you lost your mind? But when faith becomes substance, listen to me, I want to help you now. What happens is, the reason you can't quit is because there is something on the inside of you that is more real than what you're in right now. There is something about a future that you know is coming. It's not here yet, but it's already inside you as if it's already here yet. You're already living in what you're going to be living in. It's the craziest thing in the world. This is faith. Faith becomes the substance of things hoped for. So whenever God drops faith in your heart, 
the first stage is you go asking God. You ask. So faith is asking. Everybody say faith is asking. So I ask, and so I petition the Lord. I say, Lord, I know this is what you put in my heart, and I ask you to give me this. I ask you for this. And I I pray and I seek the Lord, and I ask Him to do it. So faith is asking, but asking isn't enough, because the next stage of faith is faith is believing. Faith is asking, faith is believing. Now, what do I mean believing? The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, those who come to God must believe. Everybody say believe. That He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. The most important word in that whole verse is the word and, the conjunction that holds it all together. Because most Christians live their whole life believing that God exists, but very few Christians live their life believing that God is going to give them the reward of their faith. So it's not enough for me just to believe God. Even the devils believe. James said even the demons believe. It's not enough just to believe God. But the first step of faith is whenever God drops faith in my heart. Now faith is, I go to asking God. I go to pursuing God. If you seek, you shall find. If you knock, the door shall be opened unto you. I start asking God for what He wants to give me. And then after I ask for it, I start believing And believing implies that I think or know that the answer that I have asked for is already on the way. Is this thing on? So I ask God, but then I go to believing. And it's not enough for me just to believe that God's out there somewhere and that He loves me. God says, I'm looking for somebody who not only asks me, but believe me, that when they ask me, that I reach and grab one of my big angels at the around the throne of God, I deliver into their hands the request that has been asked of me, and I dispatch that angel to the earth to bring the answer. Whenever you walk in faith, Faith is now. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is real. And so you go to asking God, and the next step of faith is I go to believing God. And believing implies that the answer is already on the way. I'm going to say that again over here. Believing implies that the answer is already on the way. Believing implies the answer is already on the way. I don't know how it's coming. I don't know who it's coming from. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't even know who's going to pay for it. But I know God put it in my heart and now faith is the substance. It's real to me. Nobody else can see it, feel it, hear it, or taste it. But I can see it, feel it, hear it, or taste it in my spirit. And so I've asked God for it and I know that God has already sent the answer. In the book of Daniel... Daniel is crying out to the Lord. He asks God for something. He's believing God for something. And finally, the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Daniel, I want you to know that the first time you got on your knees, listen to what I'm telling you, the first time you got on your knees, the first time you said the prayer and you asked God your petition, God heard your prayer. And he dispatched me with the answer. But while I was on the way, I got hindered in the heavens. And I couldn't make it here in the time frame that you wanted me to make it here. You know what Daniel's saying? Daniel's showing us that whenever we pray, we receive. Now, it might not get to you immediately. But the answer, I'm trying to help you all. 
The answer is on the way. Help me now. The answer is, the answer is, it's already on the way. Listen, the devil might be able to delay your answer, but he does not have the power to deny your answer because faith becomes the smooth, becomes the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I ask God. Everybody say, I ask God. I believe God. Believing implies that I think or know in my heart the answer is on the way. Third stage is I doubt God. You say, that's weird. All right, look here. Look here. All of y'all got this on? How about we just reach and grab that little cute religious mask we got and pull it off? Because here's what happens with everybody. Every great man and woman of faith, they ask God... They believe God, and then the next stage is they doubt God. If you think the devil is going to let you just step into this thing without a struggle, you're crazy. There's two kingdoms at war here. So what happens is, watch this now, I ask God, I believe God, now doubt comes in and tells me all the reasons that I can't do what faith initially gave me the substance of. Are you all all right? So, my faith is my substance, but now doubt comes to try to move me off of what I'm standing on. Right? So doubt comes in and it tells you, well, you can't do this. You don't have enough money. You can't do this. You're not going to make this. You're not smart enough. You can't pass this class. You can't accomplish this. Even if you do, there's not going to be any jobs out there for you. Where are you going to go? How are you going to make a living? Who's going to, who are you going to marry? Nobody's going to want you. You know, and come on. Doubt is something that we all wrestle with. Watch this. For those who come to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who Diligently seek Him. Diligently implies that there's some things I've got to wrestle through to get the answer. The Word of God says, Do not cast away therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. The word recompense in Greek literally can mean a payday. God says, if you don't get weary in well-doing, you'll reap in due season. There is a time that God is going to make sure your answer gets to you. The devil might be able to delay your answer, but he cannot deny your answer. So I ask God in faith, I believe that the answer is on the way, and now here comes the enemy of my soul, and he tells me all the reasons that I can't do what I, I want to do or what God's put in my heart. But listen to me carefully. The Bible says, if I will hold to my faith, I will have a payday. Do not cast away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense or reward. There is a payday coming. All of you guys operate in faith. Y'all got great faith. Some of y'all got more faith than I got. Can I prove it? Some of you guys are going to go to work on Monday. You're going to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And on Friday, you're going to go to your boss. And you're going to expect a paycheck. That's faith. Especially in this economy. So you're going to go work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Friday, you're going to go to the office. You're going to expect, come on, help me. A check. You're going to expect a reward for your labor. Right? That's faith. It's simple faith. 
You're going to expect a reward. Now, what would happen if your boss came in and said, you know what, we just decided not to pay everybody this week, and, you know, we'll mail you your check. Well, that's when you're going to tell your boss, I didn't mail my work up in here, and you're not going to mail me my check. Can I get a witness in the room? So watch, faith is asking, faith is believing, but here comes the enemy called doubt. Now look at me, I don't care who you think is the greatest man or woman of God who's ever lived. I'm telling you, they go through this stage. They go through a time when doubt hits their mind, hits their spirit, and says they can't do it. And every day you've got to get up when that happens, and you just got to bust doubt in the mouth. You've got to go back to, this is what I asked God for. This is what I believe God for. Do like Medea. Pull out your pistol and tell doubt. Bam, bam, bam. You ain't going to do that in my house. I'm crazy. Don't mess with me. Right? So you ask. Everybody say, I ask. I believe. I doubt. But here's the, the fourth part. You act. The fourth stage of faith is action. Now, where people miss it, the difference between... Listen, listen, let me just say it this way. Thank you, Holy Ghost. The difference between little faith and great faith is not information. Jesus said you can have the faith the size of a mustard seed and say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and you'll have whatsoever you say. The difference between little faith and great faith is not information. The difference between little faith and great faith is a bridge that everybody crosses called action. Because what happens is I ask God, everybody say, I ask God, I believe God, then I start doubting God, and at that point, all of heaven stands still to see what you're going to do. Because James said, faith without works is dead being Alone. So all of heaven stands still and says, okay, what are they going to do? You put faith in their heart and it illuminated something. Faith became the substance. It's a now kind of faith. They asked you for the miracle. They believed that the answer was on the way. And now doubt has come in and all of heaven is watching the warfare. Paul fed, said, fight the good fight of faith. Everybody say, fight the good fight. Well, I learned a long time ago when I was in school, a good fight is only a good fight if you win. Because no fight is fun. There's no fight that's fun. Every fight is dirty and nasty and mean and ugly. But when you're on the winning side... That's the good fight of faith. So Paul is saying it's alright to ask God. It's alright to believe God. But whenever doubt comes in, put up your dukes and fight with your faith and come out on the winning side of that. I got a word for somebody in this room this morning. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what side of the tracks you came from. I don't care what color the skin is. I don't care what your economic background is. I don't care what the devil's told you is not going to happen in your life. He that began a good work in you shall complete it again this day. If God said it, He shall perform it. He's not a man that He can lie, nor the Son of Man, and He don't change His mind. If God ever puts something in your heart, He's waiting on you to just say, I know that doubt is here, but I push doubt aside, and I'm going to step toward, I'm going to start moving toward what God has called me to. That's the reason you're in Bible college.
You're in Bible college because God put faith in your heart to do ministry. Are you here? You're in Bible college because God put faith in your heart that you're going to preach the gospel, that you're going to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, that you're going to watch the dead raised, you're going to see cripples healed, you're going to see cities transformed and nations turned upside down. God put that in your heart. Don't let the devil steal that out of your heart. Don't let him convince you that it can't happen because I'm a living witness that it can happen. A little 12-year-old boy who grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, who lived in a hotel room when I was 12 years old, so embarrassed by my living conditions, living in a crack motel, that I would walk a mile down the road to catch the bus because I didn't want my friends to see where I was living. And God appeared to me and said, I've called you to the nations. And God showed me preaching to the world. God showed me giving an altar call and millions of people coming to Christ. And the whole time I was, I lived my teenage years serving Christ. I'm going to do ministry. I go into Bible college. The whole time I'm in Bible college, the devil's assaulting my mind and helping somebody in this room this morning. And he's telling me you're not going to do it. He's trying to get me to quit. He's trying to get me to give up. He's trying to get me to throw in the towel. He's telling me you can do ministry without an education. He's telling me all of these Different lies. I'm glad that I fought the good fight of faith. I'm glad that I fought the good fight of faith. Last year in our church, over 3,000 people gave their life to Christ just in our church. Through our television ministry, in one episode on Daystar Television, we averaged 16,000 people a minute giving their life to Jesus Christ in one episode, preaching the gospel around the world. And God is not a respecter of person. If He can use this little bald, bifolding, bulging, uh, uh, bunion, uh, old man from West Monroe, Louisiana, then he can use you. You still got time. You're a prophetic generation. And God is showing you that by putting signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars that something as big is about to happen in the earth and you're going to be right smack dab in the middle of it. Can somebody give God a praise? So, I know I'm supposed to close. Chancellor, can I take my altar time and teach them? I'd rather just, I just want to teach you for a second. Look at this. Come on up here. Here's the fifth stage. You ask. Everybody say ask. Believe. Doubt. Act. And action means no matter how you feel, what you think, what it looks like, you just start moving toward what God told you to do. You say, how do you get there? One step at a time. That's how you get there. So watch. Ask, believe, doubt, act. Number five, receive. Number five is receive. Now, I want to give you this one. There's two scriptures, and you're going to put them up real fast because I'm done. Romans 8. Romans 8. I think I gave you two scriptures there. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Stop right there. Carnally minded doesn't necessarily mean that you go out and commit perversion, and do all kinds of wicked, sinful things. Carnally minded just simply means that you're more mindful of the flesh and what your flesh thinks, feels, and needs than you are minded of what the Spirit of God is leading you to do. Everybody with me? Look at verse number 7. Because the carnal mind is the enemy against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, and neither can be. It's not subject to the law of God. Well, what is the law of God? Go to Romans chapter 3, please. I think I gave you a scripture in Romans 3. 
Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? No, but the law of faith. The carnal mind is the greatest enemy of the law of faith. So you either got to do what the Holy Ghost has prompted you to do and do it by faith, or you start thinking your way out of it. And if you're not careful, you'll talk your way right out of what God called you to do. And you'll be, listen to me, look at me, and I'm not being ugly by this, you'll be like everybody else who said they had a call of God and are sitting in a church somewhere and they love Jesus, but they never did what the Holy Ghost put in their heart to do. Now, I'm not saying they're not, going to, they're, they're, they're not saved and going to heaven. I'm just simply saying, how would you like to get to heaven and hear God say, now faith is, don't you remember this moment, I put it in your heart. You asked me for it, you believed me for it, and when doubt came, you quit. Can you imagine God pulling back the curtain and saying, hey, I just want you to know, I gave you that heart to go to Africa, to the mission field, to preach the gospel. And since you didn't do it, I want you to see what happened. Here is the hundreds of millions of people that did not know me. Because you refused to walk to a land that I showed you. Can you imagine? There's a, there's a law called faith. So I'm done. Go ahead and play, brother. By the way, I love you, man. Worship sounded good this morning, didn't it? I like that. That dude's talented. It's one of my son loves that guy right there. Watch this. There's a law that says what goes up must come. Can you help me with that? Thank you, because I'm old and I don't need to pick that up. Just stay right here. Stay right here. There's a law that says what goes up must come. Maybe, maybe, uh, Maybe we'll just go ahead and work all the way through y'all's lunch break. I'm waiting for a response here. A law says what goes up must come. Okay, what, what law is that? The law of gravity. Faith is a law. Faith says if you ask, you believe, you wrestle through your doubt, and you just keep moving toward what God has put in your heart. What goes up must come. So our asking goes up. Our believing goes up. Our doubt is cast aside. Our action keeps going up. And it goes up into the throne room of God. And eventually, what goes up must come down. Are you all here? So I want you to stand with me. Because I'm going to give you an assignment. A faith assignment. Here's your faith assignment. I have... Yeah, yeah, you believe. Thank you. I have... Something I do every year that has become a... a, a, it's, It's like a ritual with me. Every year, I let God prompt in my heart a number. And I write these things down. And here's what I want you to do. Here's your altar call today. I want you to take a piece of paper and they're going to start worshiping. And while they're worshiping, I want you to write five things on that piece of paper that you want to see God do for you in 2014. Five things. Now, 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 listen to me. Listen to me. Before you do it, I want you to know 
that I believe that God will give it to you. Several years ago, I wrote down in the back of my Bible seven things. I was sitting at a, at a, a, a conference where Benny Hinn, I was teaching in this conference, and Benny Hinn was doing a main conference that night. And God prompted me, said, I want you to write down seven things that you want to see me do this next year. One of those th- seven things I wrote down was, I want you to open a door for worldwide television. I want to preach the gospel to the world with worldwide television. It had always been in my heart. I wrote it on the top of my list. That year was the year that God gave me the vision and the dream and God opened the door for me to go to the world via television. I'm convinced had I not wrote it down, it wouldn't have happened. The Bible says, write the vision, make it plain. Five things that you want to see God do because there's five stages to faith. There's asking, believing, doubting, acting, and receiving. And I want you to write five things down that God had. It just inspires in your heart. In just a moment, He's just going to start worshiping God softly. And you write these things down. And then what I want you to do is I want you to put it in your Bible. I want you to walk up here with your Bible. I'm going to put my hands on your Bible and I'm going to pray that God will give it to you. Just a short prayer. Alright, so write them down. If you're putting them in your cell phone, it's okay. You can put them in your cell phone. That's what I do. Just walk up here and hold your cell phone out. And I'm going to just put my Bible over yours and we're going to pray and we're going to believe God for those five things. Go ahead and start worshiping.